Welcome to the City Confessions. I'm Marianne Yip, a native New Yorker, and I'm here to discuss all the thoughts that go to the minds of people living in New York City. Since I'm a native who was born and raised in a city that never sleeps, I come across people who are constantly in a rush. I would like to take a moment to sit down and talk about what's on their minds and what keeps them up at night. So sit back and let's dive into these confessions of people I know and people I just met. Welcome back to the City Confessions. I can't believe it's already like November. Time honestly flies by. But I have a new episode for you guys. So I hope you guys are ready. Today I have Shannon Gramlin. He is a real estate agent at Compass. And he's based in New York. And we all know that Compass is definitely up there in terms of real estate companies. So hi Shannon. How are you? Hey, Marianne, I'm good. How are you? Awesome. So why don't we begin by having you introduce yourself to the listeners. Tell us who you are, what you do, and what your relationship is with New York City. Okay. Yeah. So hey, everyone. I'm happy to be on this. Uh, I'm a, as Marianne mentioned, I'm a real estate agent in New York City. I work at Compass, um, which is a nationwide firm, but a lot of our business is in New York City. At Compass, I focus on selling uh, condos, co-ops, townhouses, and also investment sales, which is uh, more commercial real estate, multifamily buildings, mixed-use buildings, and everything else commercial. So that's what I do here. So how did you get into it? And did you know that you always wanted to be in real estate? No. So growing up, I wanted to be an attorney. And... Mm -hmm. When I went to college, that was my thought. So I went to college in upstate New York at a place called Hobart and William Smith. And there Wait, I Wait, where upstate is that? Because I went to Syracuse. Oh, so like 45 minutes away. It's in Geneva, like, New York. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yep. Is it small then? I've never heard of that school. Yeah, so the school is really small. There's about 2,500 people, I think, there. Mm -hmm. um, and then Geneva itself is also small. There's about right. somewhere between thirteen and 15,000 people there. Wait, let's backtrack. Were you born in New York? I was born in New York. I was born in Brooklyn. But oh my I was God, raised... but why would you want to go there? <laughs> well, it wasn't my choice. I was two years old when we left. And okay, <laughs> my mom, got it. She, um, she went up there just because we had family ties there. Mm -hmm. And we would go visit. She loved it. And um, that's where she met my my dad. So um, that's where I was raised in upstate New York. And yeah, I went to college in the same hometown, in my hometown. Mm -hmm. But it was okay. Um, when I was on campus there, it felt like I was in a whole different world. Uh, met so many people. There were people from all over the place, other countries. I have a, a friend from Africa <laughs> at that wow. school, you know, so... Um, but yeah, so I took courses that related more towards politics and public policy and law. And when I was a senior, actually, when I was a junior, I studied abroad in London. Oh my God, and I did too. London has such a special place in my heart because of that. Oh yeah, me too. Nice. When were you there? Um, fall 2012. 
Okay, so I just missed you. I was there spring, what was it, spring 2012? Yeah, spring 2012. Oh, yeah, so I was crazy. there right before you. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, so part of my program was uh, to do an internship. And my internship, my first choice was to do something in law, of course. But my second choice was something just in random business. And that's what I actually wound up getting, which was working with a um, financial recruiter. So he recruited CFOs, financial advisors, and et cetera for companies. And I enjoyed it. So I was thinking, okay, maybe I could do something different than law. And when I got back to uh, Hobart for my uh, senior year, I took two internships. And the reason I had to take those two internships was because I failed a class my junior year, which mm -hmm. was a really tough economics class <laughs> that I did not enjoy. But in order to make up that credit, I was able to do that, taking a couple of internships. Um, one of my internships was in real estate. It was at Coldwell Banker in Geneva. And I enjoyed it. Like it was almost felt like I was a natural. And some of the things that I see now that people are nervous to do, I was told to do it in the internship and felt completely comfortable. And I'll give an example. Um, so now, more in residential, in order to get listings, some people call and reach out to people who are trying to sell on their own. They're called FISBOs or for sale by owner. And... Uh, you reach out to them and if you get a meeting, you go meet up with them and you talk about what you can do to market their property and sell it for them. So that's how a lot of people get listings now. When I was there, I reached out to someone who was trying to sell for sale by owner. It was a house on the lake. So of course I wanted to go big and I actually went, I just drove to the house, started taking pictures of the outside because I was going to put together a nice marketing package to send them mm -hmm. and the owner was outside doing work and he asked of course what I was doing while I was taking pictures of his house and I told him and he he invited me in to take pictures of the inside and told me more about it and everything and I brought that lead back to the broker that I was working with so wow. um, that was my first taste mm -hmm. and I guess like once you had a taste of that you just felt compelled to really go into that field yeah, so after that, um, while I was doing that, I was also studying for the law SATs, um, which mm -hmm. is the SATs that you have to take in order to get into law school, um, which I hated. I did not enjoy it. Every night I was going through this textbook and falling asleep on it. And um, the night before I was supposed to take it, I got, I wasn't feeling too well. I was like, whatever, let me just get some sleep in the morning. I'll feel good. The morning of the LSATs, I woke up and I felt horrible. I could barely shower. Um, so I missed it. I, I slept pretty much the whole day, took medicine and slept. And it was a blessing in disguise because after that, I was thinking, okay, maybe it wasn't meant to be. Maybe I take a year off to figure out what I want to do. And um, maybe I'll work as or work at a law firm just doing paralegal work. Or maybe I'll check out real estate, see if I like that. So that is what made me make the decision. Um, and I could go into the process of like how I actually landed in New York City.
Yeah, that's basically, yes, walk me okay. through that. Because this podcast, it's focused on people doing awesome things in New York City. And I think it's just really interesting because the city is so diverse and there's so many people. But we all end up here for a reason. And I always believe, like, not everybody is made for, like, to be a New Yorker, essentially. Yeah, I agree with that. But, um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I'll transition into that. Um, when So after that, and I d- decided that I wanted to do real estate, I thought New York City. Like, I every time we came here growing up to visit family, I always wanted to live here. And it was everything. Like, one thing that made me want to move here was when we were in, of course, like Manhattan and the business districts. And I used to see businessmen dressed up in their suits and being driven around in these nice cars. And I always thought, wow, that would be so cool. Like, I want to do that. <laughs> I want to be that. And But also, I liked um, my grandfather. We used to visit him a lot. And he lives in or lived in East New York in Brooklyn. And, of course, that is the complete opposite of the business Mm -hmm. district in the city. And I loved it there, too. Uh, Just the whole energy, the vibe. And it's so different than where I grew up at. Like, Geneva is really quiet. Uh, Syracuse isn't as quiet. I know you know Syracuse Mm -hmm. more. But even the difference between Syracuse and New York City is night and day. Mm -hmm. And... New York, I loved everything about it. So I thought, okay, if I'm going to do real estate, I'm going to do it here. And I wanted to do commercial because I like the, um, to me, when I think of New York City, I think buildings, like all these buildings make up New York City. Of course, there's condos in in those buildings and there's townhouses, but there's just something about commercial that I gravitated towards. So that's what I decided to do. And I started applying to positions in New York City at different firms. And um, the first one that accepted me for an interview I went to was in Forest Hills, Queens. And it was at a company called Massey Knackle. That interview was for, it wasn't for a real estate agent, but more of an associate. And what Mm -hmm. that is, is someone who works under a real estate broker who has a team of associates and you're pretty much helping them build their business while you get a salary, which is nice because then you get to get paid while you're learning the business. And at the time I didn't have enough money saved up to um, take a position that was a hundred percent sales and I could go a year without making money. So that was, that was what I wanted. Um, But I didn't get it. (laughs) but it's okay. It worked out. Mm -hmm. After that, I wound up at a company called Marcus Millichap and that was in, so there's a Manhattan office and a Brooklyn office. And I started in the Brooklyn office there. And then how long have you been with Compass? Compass I started last November. So it was almost a year. It was November 7th last year. Wow. I feel like even just like thinking of real estate, it's so competitive. So I guess like walk me through just the nature of how you work. Like what is your work ethic like? How do you stay grounded in this world? Because I mean, New York is competitive itself, but I feel like real estate on top of that, it's like even more so. But 
that's just me looking in. But how how do you, I guess, like perceive that, you know, obviously working in this field? Right. Yeah, real estate is definitely competitive. And like you said, I think everything in New York City is a lot of people. They come here to, you know, pursue their dreams, their big goals and crush it. And everyone is doing the same thing. There's over 8 million people here. For real estate, I almost feel like we're a dime a dozen. I heard that there's 80,000 licensed real estate agents in New York City. And, you know, there's um, not all 80,000 are doing the business. I, I, if I had to guess, I would say the top, like, 5% of that is doing the bulk of the business. So it's really competitive to actually break into that. But ways to stay competitive and, you know, rise above your competition. Some things that I do, um, they actually change. I'll start with how I used to versus what I'm doing now. Because as you know, we're in such a different world today Mm -hmm. than we were in the beginning of this year. Um, So when I first moved here and I started in commercial real estate, they taught me to cold call. And that was something, especially if you don't already have contacts in New York City who own what you're looking to sell, that's what you're going to be doing is just picking up the phone, dialing numbers of building owners and trying to start relationships with them. Um, So that was the first way. And I have to be honest, I hated it. I don't, I think there might be some people who actually like the cold call, but I think most people just do it because that's what they have to do to get business, which is what we love to do. Um, So that was the first way that I had to start getting business and it worked. I built some relationships by doing that. But then as time goes on, um, you know, you got to figure out other ways to stay in front of people that you've spoken to and also... Uh, build credibility with them and gain more contacts. So as time went on, what I did was I started a a newsletter that I send out every Sunday. And that goes out to my whole list of owners here, just talking about the news that happened, the real estate news that happened the prior week, summarizing it all for them. And like, as time went on, I actually made that newsletter better and better to the point where I sift through a lot of real estate articles because I know headlines are what grabs people's attention and some of them are misleading. So I actually go through these articles and I break down what they're actually saying. Um, And if it is relevant and what, you know, what they're saying in those articles are actually true. So that's what my newsletter consists of now. And a lot of owners, they appreciate that. I actually had one guy, he called me. And he told me he treats, because it goes out every Sunday at 10 a.m., he treats it like his Sunday paper, and he prints it out every Sunday, and he reads it. He looks forward to it, he says. So I like hearing that. That's one thing that helps me stand out. But then this year, like since COVID, I started doing something else, which is making YouTube videos. And the reason I want to do that is because I feel like people... I think people feel more connected to you when they see your face and they hear you talking versus just reading an email or a text from you or just even hearing you on the phone if you cold call them. But I found that these videos, when I send these out to 
my um, to my database or just even randomly getting people watching them because my video shows up in search results. Um, people connect with you more that way. They send you messages. I actually got a couple of buyers that way who just I popped up in their search engine and they liked uh, they liked the video and. I think that's really important now. So that's one way I, I think you have to evolve. And then also social media. Um, using social media, connecting with as many people as you can on there and promoting yourself there and doing videos even on that because people feel like they know you more than too and feel mm -hmm. more comfortable reaching out. I think it's amazing that you have really found your own method because even like a newsletter and that's like super creative. I don't know that many people would automatically, you know, think of that as, as a way to connect with future buyers and just like, again, your network essentially. And that probably definitely made you stand out. So I love hearing that. And even with like social media and YouTube, because I was, just, I was also going to ask you that too, like with COVID and everything, even just, I think, statistically one-third of apartments in new york are empty <laughs> um and i'm just curious to know yeah like how are you also like do you do you think people are even looking into commercial real estate right now so yeah this is it is a crazy market and there are so many vacant apartments uh, i can't even believe it but for commercial, that market has definitely slowed down. And I just did a report on one neighborhood that I focused a lot of my business in, which is the West Village, Greenwich Village, and Meatpacking, that whole area. Oh, my God. That's, like, my favorite neighborhood. Really? Ever. I love it. Yeah, though. I love Greenwich. I feel like if I could live anywhere, like, in the city, it would definitely be, like, Greenwich Village. Nice. Yeah, that's why I chose that neighborhood. Um so three years, uh, two or three years ago, I started um, really focusing on that area and tracking the market there, seeing how many sales so or how many things are selling, what they're selling for, and um, even listed a few buildings there. The market report that I just did shows that, and I'm just talking that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, Pricing is down, but so is the number of transactions. The number of transactions that sold last year for commercial in that neighborhood was about, I believe it was 24 transactions for almost a billion dollars. There are a couple of outliers in that billion dollars. One of the sales was for um, Google, which they bought a building in the meatpacking district for $600 million. So that accounts for almost half of that, but still, you know, 24 transactions, that's not bad. This, and that's up to the third quarter. This year up to the third quarter, we're at nine sales. So that's a huge drop. It's about a 62% drop there. And I think the reason is just, you know, part of it is COVID. When COVID hit, um, one thing we couldn't show anything during the shutdown. So that didn't resume until June 22nd. But then the other thing is with commercial, you have a lot of, um, you're dependent on income. 
and a big part of the income is from retail tenants and restaurants and other small businesses. And from the shutdown and from the virus, a lot of those tenants, they're struggling. A lot of them aren't paying rent. Um, Some are paying just partial rent. So investors are scared right now. Some investors are scared scared to touch that and buy a building where they're not going to get income or, you know, not the full amount. And then, like you mentioned earlier, a lot of apartments are also vacant. And that's true, too, in the village. And one thing I do want to note, though, so with apartment buildings, buildings with just apartments, no retail, no commercial space on the ground floor, there's actually more interest in those because renters in in the village, at least, they've actually been paying still, you know, they're paying on time. Um, there's not a lot of people who have back rent owed, so not nearly as much as retail. So there's more interest there, but still, I think pricing has still gone down. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. When rents go down, that automatically brings down the value of the building. And a lot of sellers, they're not willing to accept that. So... If they're not going to accept the reality and adjust their pricing, then the buyers aren't buying either. So that's why you have such a lower amount of transactions being done. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much interest in a nutshell for commercial in the area right now. When you look back at your journey as a real estate agent, um, what what stands out to you? Like, When is the moment that you felt the most proud? What has been your highlight? Um, I think last year is when I felt the most proud. Like that is one thing that really stands out. And what happened last year, um, I got my, actually, so I'll back up a little bit before I, you know, let you know what Mm -hmm. the highlight is. So when I first got into real estate, I joined the team and the team did a lot of business. Um, I think in one year, the team that I was on, at the first company that I was at, they did $160 million in deals, which was cool, but I was just like a number on that team. There were 11 or 12 people on the team at the time. Last year, I was on my own, and I got my first deal on my own. Like I got the lead. I kept in touch with the lady for about a year, and then she decided that she was ready to sell, and she listed the building with me. Um, I negotiated a full fee, um, full six month exclusive, uh, contract. She was, she's a real estate agent too. So to get a listing from another real estate agent was cool. And I sold it, um, on my own. Like I found the buyer by just making calls, sending emails directly to people who I thought would be the right buyer for it. And, um, negotiated the contract with them. We had some issues that we had to get over, some hurdles that we had to get over. And I was able to handle it all all on my own and get it sold. So that felt really good. It was the first deal that I was able to just do every single thing from start to finish all on my own. I have to ask, like, have you seen Selling Sunset? 
Uh, some of it. My girlfriend, <laughs> she watches that show sometimes, and uh-huh. I'll catch a glimpse of it, but <laughs> not not too much. Not of really. It. Yeah, I always wanted to know, like, how. I mean, obviously, it's a different environment. It's not New York City, and you know, they're selling different types of, um, I guess, homes. But I'm always like, how accurate is that? You know. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a good show, I will tell you. <laughs> yeah. See, well, here's the thing about those shows, because I've seen other real estate shows. That one, I've seen some things, and I was just like, wow, that like that, I think is so dramatic. <laughs> but w- with the shows, they they're there to entertain like they're mm-hmm. not going to show all the little boring nuances that go into it they want to show drama they want to show arguments and they also want to showcase like the nicest properties in the best light so right. i don't always think those shows are an accurate yeah. depiction of what we actually go right through. <laughs> um i want to shift gears a little bit and i always ask my guests what keeps you up at night it seems like a very simple question, but I do feel like as New Yorkers or people working in New York, living in New York, we're constantly on the go. I mean, probably not as much as we were in the beginning of the year, but we like to pretend that everything is all good. You know, like we have no issues, we have everything under control, but the reality of it is that we all have, you know, for lack of a better word, shit going on. Mm-hmm. And I just want to sit down and just like normalize that, right? And say like, it is okay to feel stressed. And honestly, if this very moment you're living your best life, you know, and you're having a high, that's fine as well. I think it's important to also celebrate that. But if you were to just, you know, take a breather and analyze your life in this current moment, what is keeping you up at night? What is stressing you out? What's just what's on your mind? Yeah, um, that is a good question. And one thing, I mean, one thing that is always on my mind uh, is just getting more business. How do I get more business? How do I stand out from other real estate agents, especially in a market where there's not as much activity? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a slower market in the city. Uh, So that is one thing that stresses me out, but in a good way. Like it stresses me to the point where it pushes me to be proactive and do the things that I need to do to get more business. Because otherwise, if you're not feeling stressed and you're in a situation where you want to get do more deals, you're not doing anything about it. That's not a good thing. Um, But with that being said, sometimes stressing too much can um, paralyze someone to not take any action at all just because they can't even focus on what they need to do they just stressed and all over the place but I think it's important to be to use that and just be focused on what you need to get done so would you say that you handle stress well yeah yeah I do I think I think you have to uh, if you're going to be successful in any business, not just real estate, uh, I, if you look at some of the top business owners and some of the top real estate agents, they all, I mean, I don't know what goes on in their head or anything, but they all seem like they're cool, calm, and collected, even in the most stressful situations. 
because you have to be able to think about a solution and move forward. Mm-hmm. You seem like you have a very good head on your shoulders. And Thank you. yeah, and you're super articulate and everything. But I want to know, like, where do you think this stems from? Do you have any role models? Was it like your upbringing? Like, what do you owe your work ethic, positive mentality? What, like, who has really. Who or what has really shaped you to become the person you are today? So first and foremost, my parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, just growing up, like I didn't grow up with money. I was actually on the phone with my dad. I think it was last month sometime. And I was just letting him know how proud of him I am because I see you know, where he is in life compared to when I was growing up. And sometimes I even joke with my sister because she still lives at home. And I'm like, you have it way better than we had it growing up. <laughs> but um, he told me when he was my age, how much money he was making an hour and how he's working like two jobs to get by. And I was just like, wow, I had no idea. I can't believe like I never saw that mm-hmm. uh, growing up that we were in a struggle sometimes. So, um, and just seeing his work ethic too, you know, knowing that he did work as hard as he could to provide for the family, even if it wasn't a lot that he was able to give us, he still worked hard to do it. And with time got better and better. So that, you know, seeing him and my mom as well, she was a stay at home mom and always took care of the house, made sure that, my siblings and I were all good. You know, we were fed. We were like, everything was good with us. Um, you know, that I think made me well-rounded to that regard. Mm-hmm. And as far as, I guess with the confidence, especially with public speaking, that's one thing I really look up to my dad for. He was in Geneva. Um, city councilor at large he won that back in 2016 and he was always out public speaking giving speeches and that was one thing i wanted to get better at and i asked him like how where that confidence came from where he can just go and speak to anyone and not even be nervous like whatever crowd whatever number of people and he told me that it wasn't always that way he used to really struggle excuse me, he used to really struggle getting up and speaking in front of people. But the more he did it, the more comfortable he got with it. And like they say, you know, practice makes perfect. I don't think anyone's perfect, but it gets you closer to perfect. Mm -hmm. And that definitely helps. So how do you define success? And how do you define happiness? Success? Oh, man, (laughs) that's a tough question. But I think so success for me is going to be different than success for someone else. Mm -hmm. Success for me is being comfortable where I am, not having any worries health wise, any worries financially or anything like just knowing that I'm good and my family's good. Like everyone is safe, healthy and, and financially doing well. And another component to that success is being happy with what I'm doing. Like I don't want to be a guy who's miserable making a bunch of money working some, a job that I don't even enjoy, but staying there because of the money. Like I want to be happy making that money. 
and happiness to me is um that's a tough question <laughs> it's not a I tough know. it's a I, tough I, question to articulate no for sure i totally agree i mean i had this realization last year or so that we're always striving for happiness and happiness is really just an emotion right i mean shouldn't we be striving for like a, a state of mind i'd rather achieve peace or bliss you know right. and and but i feel like we always we're always like i don't know maybe it's society we're like programmed to like want to feel happy and i'm just like curious to know i guess you know how people define that what makes them happy and it's interesting to see different perspectives on it because i do find that like you people do struggle with saying like actually what is happiness you know we don't we don't take time to sit back and like put our own definition in it and i think sometimes maybe we can when we feel it we know what it is but like you said even like with success it's different for different people right so maybe to i guess change it up it's like what makes you happy Okay. Yeah, that's an easier, an easier uh, question to answer. So um, as you were talking, I actually thought about something that happened the other day. And just something that I, I, it's like a constant reminder that I have in my head is happiness is a choice. You can choose to be happy, even in the most stressful situations or what you think is stressful. And something that happened the other day was... Um, I had an appointment in the West Village to show an apartment, and it wound up being a waste of time. As soon as the girl walked in, she just didn't like anything. And in my mind, I was thinking, like, you saw the pictures, you saw the videos, you knew, like, you should have known it looked like this. (laughs) But, you know, so I was a little annoyed by that. And this is just something small. I'm not even, this isn't anything that I was, like, pissed off about or anything, but after it you know I got back in my car and I'm driving back home and I'm sitting in traffic and I'm like oh man all this traffic like I want to get home and I want to get other stuff done but then I just had that reminder in my head like choose to be happy think about it right now you're sitting in your car you're comfortable you're not cold you're not too hot you're not walking in crowds you're healthy like think about all the good things that are happening right now yeah you might have wasted a little time going and showing this apartment that It's not going to work out, but look at all the good things. And after that, like you said earlier, you know, you feel that peace and you're like, okay, like we're good. Everything's fine. And you choose to be happy in that moment. I love hearing that so much because I honestly try to incorporate that type of mentality in my everyday life, especially Essentially, what you were doing was practicing gratitude and just taking a moment to say, like, instead of looking at the problem or being so caught up with, again, traffic or whatever the case is, it's like you take it. I always see, like, the cup half full and try to just, once you change your mindset, like, the world is so much better. Right. Anytime, like you said, in that stressful moment, once you switch, you know, how you feel, and decide to look at it in a positive light, your mood instantly is like a 180. 
Oh yeah. And you feel so much better. Yeah. A hundred percent. But that takes one acknowledgement and practice because I feel like I do it all the time, but there are times when I feel very reactive and I need to remind myself, you know, like it's not that serious. Like it's, you know, you just need to like, but I think it's also valid to be in that moment as well. You know, I think some people who don't feel the feels, that's another, I guess, I don't want to say issue, but, you know, that has its cons as well. Right. You're suppressing all your feelings. But, yeah, I mean, I love hearing that because I'm telling you right now, like, as a New Yorker, I used to be so easily irritated by all these external factors. Yeah. Like, (laughs) you know, getting stuck on the train. I'm like, why are we stuck? Like, I need to be you know, here at this time, but the world doesn't revolve around me, you know, like this, like the world is going to go on. It's going to operate the way it's meant to be and you can't control it. You can control the way you react to it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. So this podcast is called the city confessions. And the reason why is because not only do I love to uh, share stories of people living in New York, you know, hear what they are doing what they want to share but I also am curious to know their confessions (laughs) because I feel like everybody has a confession and again this is however you are receiving this you know this can be something silly something surface level because again you and I we don't know each other but I want to preface this by saying this is a safe space I have like only good intentions for doing this podcast I really believe in storytelling like I mentioned and connecting people and just shedding light and giving a platform to people to speak their truth so with all that being said if you were to share a confession what would that be oh man <laughs> I know the, I'm sorry to put you on the spot but <laughs> no no that's okay that's a good that's a good question um it's actually something that I best before in one of my youtube videos but i think i'll go into a little more detail on this because i like the concept so (laughs) um when i first moved to new york city like growing up i had a lot of support from in my hometown you know a lot of people thought that i would do well but when i first moved here i didn't have any money not much money saved up and the way that i got by was by taking out a loan from a local bank in Geneva and uh, opening up my first credit card, having a line of credit. And I was staying with a friend who I met in college um, at his parents' house, like deep in New Jersey, which was like 50 miles away from the city, uh, just staying in their basement until I could make it. But on social media, I always, you know, posted the good things. I always posted, pictures of New York City, and um, I think I portrayed that things were going much better than they actually were, because deep down, every single day when I first moved here, I was struggling like crazy, Um, and I never told people, like, how much debt I was accruing or anything like that, and um, I don't know, I never really talked about that much with people about the actual struggle, except for people who are really close to me, but not publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> that, well, that's thanks for confession. sharing. And I feel like that's just, 
you know, social media is a is a tricky little little thing that we have going on. I do think a lot of us are aware that social media is a highlight reel. Right. But I do think we can also get caught up with whatever is being portrayed. And actually, when you mentioned that, it got me thinking, do you think, and I'm speaking like in your experience, the way mm-hmm. you handled it, um, it was a blessing in disguise in, in the sense that, you know, by you portraying that your life was, let's just use, you know, picture perfect, that it allowed you to be, you know what I mean? Like it, it was a reflection of how you wanted to be portrayed in a sense of, you know, it was positive because you're like, okay, you know what? I want people to think that I, you know, have my life together. I'm successful. And again, since you were struggling, it gave you this almost like a vision, you know what I mean? Like a mood board. Or do you think it was on the flip side and maybe, you know, like because you weren't in, I guess, I don't want to say the word authentic, but I guess transparent. You know what I'm... Yeah, I know what you're trying to say. (laughs) So, yeah, I think for me, it was, it was motivating for a couple of reasons. Mm -hmm. One was because of just like the support that I had from it. It was, you know, people saying congrats about everything and being happy for me. So when you get that support, it makes you feel good and it makes you want to live up to what they think you are. Right. Um, but it can be dangerous for some people because it could be, it could have the opposite effect of, you know, you got all these people um, showing you the support and encouragement and you might feel pressured like it's too much to live up to what they're thinking that you are if that makes sense Mm -hmm. but for me no it definitely it was encouraging and like I'm an optimistic person so I want to like always especially on social media when things are bad like you said it is a highlight reel but I want to keep it positive Mm -hmm. and show all the good things but then once you actually do make it past that it is good to go back and say hey listen you know it wasn't all it wasn't easy to get to the point where I am now it took a lot of hard work and here's what I went through I think that's important as well right so we have to end on a positive note and I want to know what is the one thing you love most about yourself um, hmm. <laughs> See, that's another thing, too, right? Get... No, that's huh? what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm going to say that people don't really ask you this question. Yeah. Like, usually it's looked down upon and say, hey, what do you love about yourself? Right, right. But also, um, I feel like it makes people uncomfortable, you know? Mm-hmm. I think there are some people who right away will know, um, but other people are like, hmm, actually, like, let me let me think about that. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, listen, we're all humans. We love compliments if it's genuine, you know, right. and I think sometimes we don't take enough time to compliment each other, but let alone compliment ourselves. Mm-hmm. So true. this is like a self-reflection <laughs> feel like we're doing activity <laughs> yeah no it's, but... it's a good it's good it just <laughs> caught me off guard that's all <laughs> right um no I think that 
one of the things that I love about myself is that I'm hardworking. Like I'm not the type if I am in a situation where I'm struggling or even if I if I'm not struggling, but I just want to strive for more. I definitely have the work ethic to go and chase my my dreams and fulfill those goals that I have. Yeah, I mean, I can tell even just talking with you for the past like 40 minutes that you're definitely a go-getter, you're a hard worker, that's why you're in New York City, that's why you're working in real estate, and that's why you're killing it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. But I do want to take a moment right now to just acknowledge your presence, acknowledge you for showing up, because that means so much to me. I feel like time is so so valuable and I would never take it for granted because you can clearly have used this you know 45 minutes an hour whatever the case is to be doing something else I'm a complete stranger so thank you for saying yes you know and and again sharing your story I hope the listeners got something from it um but I do again just want to take a moment to say I appreciate that and I appreciate you yeah, of course. It was my pleasure. I really appreciate you having me on here. I enjoyed the conversation and all the way up to the confession and <laughs> everything in between. So thank you. Yes. Okay, right now is your chance to plug in anything you want to share. Do you have any secret projects? Do you have, I don't know, what can the world be on the lookout from you, Shannon, when in the next two months before the year ends or in 2021? Um, so I do have something I haven't shared with no one publicly, at least. Um, but I'll just say soon I will be, be, I'll be breaking into another market. Still in New York City. I'll still be in New York City, but breaking into another market coming soon. Oh my God. That's like such a cliffhanger. I'm like, tell me now. Well, thank you again for chatting with me and my listeners. I will leave all of Shannon's information in the show notes. So be sure to check that out. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you guys are well and safe and stay tuned for next week's episode. All right. Bye.